Van is uh, obviously a great coach. You gotta do it with supreme focus, right? With razor sharp focus. Breathe what he's breathing. But he's a better, a better person. Biggest thing you gave me was time. You didn't really know me. We were from the same neighborhood and area, but I was with a group of guys that wanted to go to college, wanted to play ball. And you actually gave us that reality that, hey, this could actually happen because we saw somebody that was like us and that we wanted to become. Recruiting is about relationships. It's built on trust. It's built on doing the right things. And it's built on your head coaches and your athletic director, their vision. And I think we have two great leaders, both of those positions. So it makes it easy for me to go out and, and do what I do. Be aggressive. Let's win. Here we go. Our next guest, Todd Bowles, is a former NFL head coach and has had a long, productive coaching career in the NFL. Todd, man, I appreciate you for coming on. This podcast, it's, it's been quite an experience. We've had the opportunity to share time with conference commissioners, with athletic directors, with head coaches. And now we can be proud to say we've had an NFL coach grace our podcast. Anytime, man. So now, you, you, you started your career as an undrafted free agent. Uh, and and that, that's cool. But did you ever think that you'd make it as far and as long as you did uh, in the NFL? I actually didn't when I first uh, started. Uh, I thought I was going to play about three or four years because that was the average lifespan for an NFL player. And I thought I was going to be a radio programmer or something <laughs> like that. And then once I got past three or four years, I just took it year by year. And I never in a million years thought I'd be coaching. Okay, because uh, I, you know, my, my next point is that uh, some of us, or I've heard, you know, coaching is just in your blood. And, you know, I, I was thinking about my coaching. I, when I was in the seventh grade, I kind of knew that I wanted to coach. I knew, uh, and I think I've heard you talk through this before, I knew that I wanted to, you know, be able to influence uh young people I wanted to be able to influence lives and that's kind of what we had opportunity to do as as a coach uh and so it's it's funny you say you didn't think you'd be doing it that long well guess what here yeah. You are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah here you are now this is this is really cool and then and then also kind of funny I was at home the other night and I was reading an article uh, I believe it was on ESPN, uh, about ESPN.com, about your head coach, Bruce Arians, and, and the staff that he set up. Uh, and, and it really kind of paralleled in my head to, to my head coach here at Kansas State, Chris Kleiman. And, you know, when I hear people describe how Bruce Arians lives as a leader, again, it kind of, it kind of, Reminds me of the way Coach Clyde uh, operates. I think both of those guys are models for how to lead programs with an understanding that that diversity is strength. So, in your career, what challenges have you seen? We talk about diversity. 
What challenges have you seen with being a minority trying to rise up in the ranks as a coach? You know, early on when I was younger, you don't see minority or anything else. You see coaching. And, you know, you try to earn your merit as being a coach, not an African-American coach, not a white coach, not a Hispanic coach or anything else. You earn your merit by what you know, what you do, and keeping your head down to the ground and grinding out. Now, as you get older and you look back, you see some things that were a little different that you probably didn't notice at the time, and they kind of add up. Like, you know, people, the usual coaching stuff, and somebody steal your ideas or put you down or promote somebody over you when they just come in who's younger. But again, the jobs are so scarce that you don't pay it any mind at the time. And now that there's more media coverage and it's coming to the forefront a lot more, it's starting to get out there, or it's been out there, but it's getting more and more attention now with all the media coverage and everything so it's becoming a big deal but for me coming up through the ranks i tried to work hard and earn everything i did i never wanted to be hired just because i'm african-american but at the same time i did not want to not be hired because i was an african-american and that was big for me and you have to keep your core values and believe in who you are and I tried to work to be the best coach, not the best head coach, not the best coordinator, not the best DB coach, but the best coach in whatever capacity that was. And the biggest thing for me was to always learn and to always listen. And when you can listen, you learn more not to do, not to do than what to do. Right. So I always tried to learn and listen. And that, that's what got me where I am right now. So I just want to rewind. I just want to go back to Coach Arians because, again, I, I referred to that article, and I was, I was just really impressed with who he is as a leader. What can you tell us about him and how he – I know you played for him, uh, but, but what can you say about him and how he has impacted you as a coach? He impacted me in every way as a coach, you know, from playing for him and being one of his players in college to seeing me as an equal in the coaching ranks and telling me how good I was and showing me tips along the way and grooming me to be the coach I am today and the man I am today, along with a few other people. It says a lot about him as a person. You know, he, he understands. He doesn't just teach you be a better coach he teaches you to be a better person he teaches you how to lead he teaches you how to think football all the time he teaches you how to relax he teaches you the full gamut of being in the nfl all the time even when it's unintentional there's something behind it for him and he'll give you that little smile and that little smirk and you kind of know you got his approval after that right so so i would i would consider you a coach who I would consider you a seasoned coach in the NFL. So when you look back to the start of your career, uh, what, what is different about the NFL and being a coach in the NFL? What is different then and, and, and what is taking place now? And how do you think, like I said, you being a seasoned coach, what things do you think you can do to improve coaching for minorities in the NFL in the future? Well, the biggest difference is the players today are probably bigger, stronger, faster. They have more 
nutritional things and more strength things that they can do now that we couldn't do back then. And obviously the medical teams are a lot better. And as far as having surgery and getting them out and back in two or three weeks where before, you know, you were knocking people upside the head and we probably had concussions and didn't even know we had concussions. That was a lot different now than it was back then. So, but being a helping minority, you help minorities by, first of all, being the best person and coach that you can be. So you can set the example. And that's the biggest thing, number one. And there are a bunch of them out there. But again, there's so many because there's so many college jobs and only a few NFL jobs that you have to kind of get to know people through networking and me being older and getting older and up there in my career, I start trying to give back a lot more before you're so busy coaching and got your head down that you really don't have the time. But now I'm doing this podcast and doing a seminar earlier this year, I'm trying to at least expand some knowledge to guys on how to stay up and how to get in and how to stay in and how to be the best they can be. So when they get their opportunity, you know, it's not a surprise to them when they're ready to go. Right. So, you know, you may not remember this, but 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 when I when I thought about this earlier today, it actually was a learning experience for me. You and I, we met years ago when you volunteered to speak to a group of young coaches uh, at, for, or at an NCAA academy or it might have been a NAF said academy. It was at the combine at the time you were with the New York Jets. I remember that. The head coach. And. And, and this is where the learning experience came from me. And I'll ask you a question, but uh, since I met you at that, at that academy, I followed your career. I followed it closely. And, um, you know, I'm talking, watching your every move, trying to learn from you, just watching on TV, how you handle different situations, how you handle yourself in interviews. And so I've watched your career. Well, just last night I was talking to, one of my former team teammates, guy I played with with the Lions back in the day, and he said to me, he said, "I followed your career. Now you may not know it, but I've been following your career." And today I thought about that, what he said to me, and I thought about how I followed your career, and I thought, man, that that is amazing, and it's it's such a dynamic opportunity that we have yes. to influence other people. To because if this guy's followed me the way I've watched you and tried to learn from you from afar, then I hope I've been doing the right things, you know. And yeah. so it was just cool to to uh, just have that epiphany, just thinking about those two situations. Now to my question, like I said earlier, you were the head coach of the New York Jets. When you think about that experience, what? What are some things that that you that you took from that experience that you'll never forget and that you would share with someone who would look to be a head coach, NFL, college, whatever, uh, in in their future? Uh, One of the biggest things, I think, when you go into interview for the job, you're not just interviewing. You should be interviewing them as well. And I think many of us going into a first time job. You try to say what they want to hear or what you think they want to hear, but that's not the case at all. You need to 
be the interviewer and the interviewee, you need to ask questions of why did the last coach get fired? Uh, what kind of program are you looking to build? What establishment are you trying to build? First and foremost, you need to see if there's a connection from that way, because if there's not a connection that way, then the rest of the interview is going to be null and void. And after that, how do you want them to leave? What are, they, are you trying to win right away? Are you trying to rebuild? Are you trying, what resources do we have for each other that's going to match up and do those type of things? And last but not least, you know, are you going to get the resources for your coaches and the things you need to win? And, you know, there's there's got to be a big correlation, almost a brotherhood between the head coach and the general manager. And although they will disagree, the owner should be able to go to the head coach and general manager and ask the same questions if they're apart and get the same answers and be right. on the same page. There's got to be a big unity there. because The head coach has to carry the building. You need to treat everyone as equal so they can do their job better so the team can be better. From the maintenance workers to the cafeteria workers to the mailroom guys, everybody needs to be treated with a a big level of respect and I think that brings the building up and that brings to the continuity of what you're trying to do going forward and I think the team needs to be established that way as well. So funny you, you said that today in my position meeting I'm talking to my players and and one of the you know we, we always talk about the culture we I'll take a moment every day and talk about things which are important in our culture to our culture and and the word that we dealt with today was family and it kind of goes to what you just said when when you're a family everyone in the family has to be treated with respect it, people in sports we always use the word we always say family right but in, in a family is what i told them in a family it doesn't matter where someone came from it doesn't matter what they're going through they're a part of the family right and so when it's family you have to make sure that everyone feels welcome. You have to make sure that everyone is important. You have to make sure that everyone is a part because normally families pull in the same directions. Good families do. And so you have to make sure that everybody is on the same page and they are aligned, right? In, in college programs or in an NFL program, they kind of got to be aligned. So we talked about Coach Arians and him being a great leader in your life, but other than other than Coach Arians, who would you say, um, if you have multiple people, but who would you say, who would you say have been some best, some really good leaders that you've been around? And, and what kinds of things did you learn from those people? I have a few that's kind of impacted my life, starting with Coach Gibbs with the Redskins. He led by listening and never settling to be good he always wanted to be great he was a tireless worker and he led by example that way and he knew a ton about offense he didn't know a whole bunch about defense and he let coach pettibone and emmett thomas take it over and those guys led by example because they were outstanding where pettibone was the x and o guy emmett was the fundamental guy and he wouldn't let you get away with anything so those three starting out obviously meeting up with Coach Arians again, and we just talked about the things he meant to me in my life. But Coach Parcells was a real big influence on me as well because he taught me how to see the entire game, and I mean on and off the field, how to see the coaches, what to learn from, what to look for in practice, how to see the big picture. He was very good at 
teaching me the big picture. And that brought me to Wade Phillips. Wade taught me how to work smarter and not harder and understand what the game is and stick to your guns and call it how you see it and don't let your mind run and chase ghosts. And that led me to Coach Reed, obviously, Coach Reed in Philly. I was with him one year, and he had the struggle, and the son passed away, and he taught me more about integrity and being the same guy every day and leading through adversity and standing up in front of the room, which was huge for me at that time. So all these guys, and I'm sure I'm leaving some people out, but all these guys taught me so many different things and so many different points in my career, and I just try to carry them all with me and put them together and keep it moving. Oh, you, that's a that's a Hall of Fame list of coaches, and you know I, I think it's really cool. Again, I, I I've said this to a lot of leaders that we've had on uh, because when I hear it, you hear the same things. You hear them over and over again. And my dad always said, when you hear the same things, they must be true. You know, you hear them over and over. Some people may say them a little differently, but they, 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 you hear the same things. You hear how to deal with adversity. You hear how to stick to your guns. You hear that uh, the leader has to lead from the front. He has to be out front. He has to be willing to take ownership, accountability. You hear all those things. And it's, it's just been cool, like I said earlier, to, to have the opportunity on this podcast to just hear from, from people like yourself who learn from great leaders, but who continually apply them. Now, I know it's hard for a coach to say this, but I got this question nonetheless. What do you think, what do you think, uh, and I'm almost laughing because I'm a coach and I know how difficult this answer can be. What do you, what do you see as your future as a coach? Ooh, ah. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting up there. It's <laughs> all right, you're not going anywhere. I see me becoming a better teacher in every aspect, in every way. I see myself doing a lot more seminars, trying to help younger coaches, younger minority coaches, younger coaches, period, trying to spread some knowledge about the game or on and off the field. I see myself future-wise, my, I got three boys and two of them are getting old. One of them's a senior, one's a sophomore, and one of them's 10 years old. So. Yeah, they get older. I kind of, you know, with COVID and everything, I got to spend a lot more time around them. And you miss a lot of time as a coach. So you have to think about that as well. So my goal from here on out, the one thing I got from the Jets, it made me a better coach. It made me a more patient person. It made me appreciate the game of football a whole lot more. I already did. It was already big for me and it was already my life, but it made me appreciate being around good people. And there were some good people up there that I was around. And if you're coaching with good people, whether you are the water boy, the head coach, defensive back coach, the coordinator, you are a better coach for it and you will become a better coach because you're around those type of people. And that is relaxation and that is all I ask for. And that that's how I see the rest of my coaching career, but I don't see me going into the 80s or the 70s for that. Yeah. So I myself a good eight to 10 years, then it may be time to shut it down. Yeah, that's what those 70 year old coaches, that's what they say, man, I, I'm, I'm getting out of this thing when I'm 75. I'm not going to do that. 
I'll be going in my 60s. Yeah. I guarantee you. you. You made the point about, you know, about what COVID has done in terms of, in terms of forcing us to, to slow down and, and look at our lives and look at what's really important. Because coaches, you know, I'm at the office right now, but, yeah. uh, you, you know, we, we miss a lot of time, you know, with our, with our family, with our kids. I just been, man, incredibly blessed because my, my middle son is on the team here at Kansas State. And, you know, I've missed a lot of his stuff. I missed a lot of my oldest son's stuff. I'm missing my, my youngest son's stuff uh, daily. And, you know, I, I just feel really blessed to have the opportunity to have him on the team here, to see him every day and to, 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 to see him go out and practice. He's a corner, so I get the chance to work with him as well. And uh, it's just, it's been an experience that I never would have thought that I would value as much as I do. And uh, it's, it's been really cool. And, and I know, you know, two of your boys are in a, in, a, in a place where they're beginning to love football and you can see them develop and grow. And so uh, I'm excited for you uh, because that's probably the only thing that's going to get you uh, from, from going to that plan and, uh, excuse me, from coaching till his 70s is having the opportunity to spend more time, spend more time with your boys. Yeah, exactly right. So, so speaking of all this time, coaches have a, have a lot of stickers on their bags is what I like to say. Uh, bags representing where they lived. Where, what, what city has been the most enjoyable one that you've had the opportunity to coach in? Ooh, well, I'm from New Jersey. So being up in New York was like being at home. I just didn't like the cold weather anymore. Right. But <laughs> Dallas was an outstanding city. Uh, Miami as well and Arizona as well. And I love it here in Tampa. So for me, anywhere with warm weather, I don't do a lot anyway where I can just go take long walks. That works for me. So I'm not a cold weather person anymore. They call me, they call me soft now, but I'll tell you. <laughs> hey man, forget them. I, listen, when we go out to practice, I, I tell the equipment guy, give me, give me two more of those. Give me two more of those hats. Exactly. So anywhere um, with warm weather, between Dallas, Miami, Tampa, and Arizona, the warm weather, I'll take it every time. And that question came to you because I know you, you've coached in some cool cities. Right? And so I just wanted to know which, which one that you enjoy the most. So I got a reflection question for you. Um, you admit that you're a seasoned coach, right? You like to say getting up, and I like to use the term season. Okay. So, so as a seasoned coach, you've seen a lot. What is, what is something that you would tell young Todd Bowles, right, if you could talk to him today? Ooh. After I retired, I think I used to, when I coached, I was jogging five miles a day on the cement from ages 33, 34 to about age 47. And my knees got shot, and I would never do that again. <laughs> my younger Todd Bowles, don't run on the cement so you can keep intact when you get older. So that's the big thing I would tell myself. Okay. So, so now you've had the opportunity early in your career to coach in the HBCUs. 
what what has that experience oh i would say what would that experience what was that experience like and how how do you continue to help coaches in that arena try to pull those guys up because you know the difficulty that hbcu coaches have with with taking another step like some of those coaches they want to take a step they want to get into the power five conferences they want to get into those different conferences what has been your experience with trying to help coaches make those leaps first me coaching in the hpcu uh morehouse and grambling those were probably the best three years of my coaching career as far as learning and teaching mm -hmm. young men how to grow and bring them out of college uh oh Grambling and Morehouse, uh, you couldn't beat it. I mean, you couldn't beat the atmosphere. And I learned so much. And I had such great guys. But the coaches, even when I got in the league as a coach, the first five or six years, I signed a guy from HBCU school as far as a player. You try to help the coaches as much as they can, as much as you can. And it's, it's they have such talent in those conferences and they have such talent that's around. They may not have the biggest linemen of everybody, mm -hmm. but from skill position standpoints, they're no worse for wear than any Power Five conference as far as that being concerned. And they coach them hard. They coach them very hard down there. It's hard and I try to keep in touch with everybody because Doug Williams was my head coach and I was his coordinator. So I try to keep in touch with all the guys I coached with at any time. I actually wanted two of them I offered a job and they had family things going on and they couldn't take them back then. But you try to get to know as many as you can and stay in touch with them. And if something opens and something breaks, you'd be the first one to bring their names up. Man, I, I do, Todd. I, I really, I, I appreciate your time. And uh, I'm never afraid to say that, that I really admire, I admire your path. I admire the way you operate as a coach. Again, man, all those years ago, uh, I really uh, was, as a young coach, excited to, to, to meet you, excited to follow your career. Uh, I'm excited, more excited than you are even, uh, for, for, what the, for what the future holds for you as a coach. I see right there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but uh, man, I, I really appreciate you. I appreciate you for being who you are as, as a coach uh, that, that Damn, I don't know if I can call myself a young coach, all this gray, uh, that a coach can look up to. And, and I appreciate your willingness to give back uh, because you don't, you don't know. Just like when I made the uh, reference to my former teammate, we just never know who we are influencing and who, who we are leading and helping to go down their path. So I appreciate your time, man, and, uh, and, and definitely going to continue to pull for you and pull for the Buccaneers, uh, get you some rest, uh, and uh, uh, be safe. I appreciate everything, man. And you know, anytime you need me, you can reach out and grab me anytime. I think what you're doing on these podcasts is a great help and an avenue for coaches to listen to and see as far as helping minorities move forward. So I think you're doing a heck of a job. Thanks a lot, man. You have a good one. You got it. You too, man.